Last week, we talked about the importance of building uh, the habit of reading the Bible. And I was going to pull up statistics, and I forgot. There's, we can see anyone who has made, who has chosen to make 6-8 your church on the app, on the Bible reading app, it shows how, many, how much time we've spent as a collective group. Uh, reading scripture together on that app. And I was going to pull that out because I thought that might be encouraging and fun to see those nu- or hear those numbers. So I'll have to do that next week. But um, there's been some great... Oh, I'm getting, getting reminders about the announcement that was written on my notes that I didn't, that I didn't go to. I'll get, go there right in a second. Uh, so there's been some great Bible reading and, and discussion going on on the app, so I encourage you, um, if you're able to, do it on your phone. It's the Version Bible app. If you don't have a phone, you can do it on, on a website. Uh, just go to Bible.com, and, uh, and if you want more information about that, talk to me after the service tonight, and I can get you where you need to go so you can participate with us as a group as we read together uh, throughout the course of the week. Yeah. You, you don't have to be friends, but you have to be in the group plan. So, yeah, let's talk after the service, and I'll try to get you on there. Thanks for asking. So next week, we're doing breakfast for dinner. That's our theme for dinner next Sunday. It's, um, so bring something breakfasty. Um, of course, bacon is a requirement, I think, when you're doing breakfast for dinner. So, <laughs> yeah, everyone bring bacon and something else. We should be all right. On the 29th, we're going to do Mexican theme. Uh, so if you want to prepare for that or if you go, are going grocery shopping over you know, a couple weeks in advance, on the 29th, you can buy some stuff to bring a, a Mexican dish. And uh, bring something to share uh, that night as well. And we're collecting reusable Tupperwares. So things like Cool Whip containers, sour cream containers, things that, you know, plastic containers that have lids that can be reused um, for people to take other people's food home. As we're almost out of takeout containers. Don't we have a whole bunch of those? Oh. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to just start saving your, your plastic tubs, that we can read. Yeah. yeah. If you use them, obviously you can save them for yourself. But um, re- reduce, reuse, recycle. All right? We'll reuse them and make them. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's the next couple of weeks of food. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about um, meditation. What is biblical meditation? And we're going to try to uh, distinguish what it means to meditate on God's Word. There are several scriptures where it talks about meditating on God's Word day and night, and so we want to try to get a, a, an understanding of what that is. But we're talking about some some spiritual habits, and the reason we're talking about these habits, to remind you, is 
We, just like there's physical relationships where we can see one another and we can build relationships by being in one another's presence, God wants us to have a relationship with him, but it's a spiritual connection. So whatever the things that we do to build physical relationships, we need to also do to build our spiritual relationship with God. And these are some of the, the habits or they're called spiritual disciplines that have been passed down from early church fathers for the last 1800 or 1900 years. So we're sticking with the ones that are, that are, that are tried and tested throughout the millennia and, and going with those. So Bible reading, prayer, and meditation are three of the big ones, and we'll get into uh, silence and solitude and Sabbath and some of the others in the weeks to come as well. But tonight, uh, to get us started on prayer, I actually I want to read two parables uh, of Jesus's about prayer, and then just kind of let you uh, draw out what you think is important about each one. So here's the first one. It's the parable of the persistent widow. So just listen to the story and listen to what you think is important in the story that Jesus is telling. And Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. What do you think is the important thing that's being, being emphasized in that story that Jesus is telling about uh, prayer? Persistence. Persistence. Did I say the title? Yeah, the, the parable of the persistent widow. Yeah, and actually Jesus, Jesus gives us, there's something sticky on this table up here. It was up here last week and I kept noticing it. Um, there, <laughs> it's just, it distracts me because my hand gets sticky and I have a thing about being sticky. I don't like, I don't like getting, like touching a sticky doorknob is one of the worst things when you grab a, and we had little kids for a long time. And you go grab a doorknob and it's all sticky. What in the world did I just touch? Um, so, thank you, Timely, for getting something. Persistence. And actually, Jesus says why he's telling this parable. That they, Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Thanks. All right. 
So persistence. All right, here's another one, and I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'll let you see if you can, if you can bring out the important parts. This one's from Luke chapter 11. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So what do you think Jesus is emphasizing when it comes to prayer in this parable? Audacious. Shameless audacity. Yeah, and he goes on to say, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus is saying, God is a good father, and good fathers know what to give their, what to give their children when they're asking for something. When they're asking for something, they're asking for something they need. And I love that line, uh, verse 13, it says, If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. That's a statement about humanity, right? If you, if you who are, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is not evil, who is only good, know how to give good gifts to those who ask them? One more parable. I want to see if we can draw out what's important about prayer in this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. What do you think Jesus is trying to point out about this contrast between these two prayers? Be humble, ask for mercy. Yeah, what else? Honesty. And God already knows it, so why not just be completely honest with Mm-hmm. Just give it a very grandstand for look. Right. Did somebody just come in and leave? Is there somebody back there? 
Oh, okay. So make sure we didn't miss somebody. That's okay. Yeah, and then one of the things I think um, is the, the prayer of the, of the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. It sounds like he's praying to get attention. He's praying to, to talk himself up and all the things that he's doing. So he's, he's doing the opposite of what the tax collector is doing. He's bragging about how righteous he is, his own righteousness, instead of being humble and seeking God in prayer. Well, there are, there's, there's really too much, uh, and even just Jesus' teaching, to try to cover in one sermon on prayer. Um, so I'm going to cover kind of in an outline format just several important things about prayer that, that I think we should know and we should talk about if we're going to be uh, thinking about praying and focusing more on prayer. But I'm, I'm not going to, you know, not going to do a, a thorough, deep theological, you know, sermon on all, you know, an entire biblical theology of prayer and, and what prayer is and how we pray because it would just take too long because prayer is one of the biggest themes uh, through Scripture, Old and New Testament. So I'm just focusing in on Jesus' teachings on prayer. There's a lot of good teaching that Paul makes about prayer, um, and so we definitely want to pay attention to those. But for time, I just, I'm going to focus on a few. So the first couple that I want to focus in are two if-then promises that Jesus makes about prayer. So he's, he's, he says, if you do this, then this will happen when it comes to prayer. And he does this a couple of times. One of those is in John chapter 15. And if you're not familiar with John chapter 15, it's where Jesus is teaching about the vine and the branches. And in that section, he talks about abiding in the vine. If you remember that, he's, he uses the word abide you know, 11 or 12 times in about, you know, one paragraph worth of text. So he's talking about what it means to abide in the vine and be with, be with him uh, in, in the vine. And he says in verse 7, if you remain in me, and that's the word remain is the, also the same word for abide. If you remain or abide in me and, and my words remain or abide in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. So Jesus is saying, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. So there are two parts to the if, right? There's the if you remain in me, so Jesus says, if you remain in me or abide in me or dwell and reside in me in relationship with Christ, being in Christ at all times, and if my words abide, remain, dwell, live in you. So those are the two parts of, of the if, then the promises, you can ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So do you think Jesus is saying, 
You can ask for anything you want and you'll get it. Literally anything over and under the moon. Do you, do you think that's what Jesus is saying? Because that's how a lot of people will translate that verse. Well, Jesus said, you can ask for anything you want, anything you want, and it'll be granted. And I think what we do is we, we, we kind of gloss over the whole if clause. If you remain in me, dwell in relationship, abide in relationship, and if his words remain in you, when he's talking about his words, what do you think he's talking about? So this is John chapter 15. This is, this is the, a big, long sermon that's written in John. And it kind of starts at the end of John chapter 12, where the setting starts at 12. And then all the way through 13, 14, 15, and 16 is this one whole big, long teaching of Jesus. And it all happens in the upper room uh, where he's doing this teaching until they go off to pray in 17. And so... What do you think when Jesus says, my words, what do you think he's talking about in, this, in the setting of what happens on that night? His teachings. How would, what, are the, what are the summary teachings? How would you summarize Jesus' teaching? All of his teaching. Yeah. So, um, love God, love others. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 is where he says, um, as I have loved you, so also you must love one another. Lay down your lives for one another. This is the night before the crucifixion. So he's talking literally about his teaching about sacrificing yourself for others. So... If you remain in me, if you're abiding in relationship with Christ, then my words or my teaching, you know, my, my, my truth that, that I'm trying to instill in you as disciples, if it abides in you, and, and if you summarize Jesus' teaching, you summarize it as sacrificing yourself for the benefit of others, it's hard to get to, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted to mean you can literally get anything you want. <laughs> under the sun from God. Now, I do think we've, we probably have maybe gone too far in saying uh, that, well, we shouldn't ask God for, for things. If, if, if there's something that we really desire, then I'd say ask God for it. And, and the answer will either be no or yes, and, and, uh, and he'll help you know how to handle it. Later in, in John 15, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So Jesus chose us, he chose the disciples and he's chosen us to be his followers and the reason he's chosen us is to bear fruit. At least the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe fruit means other things as well, but it's definitely the fruit of the kingdom of God as opposed to the fruit of the kingdom of this world that he wants us to bear in our lives, produce in our lives. 
So he chose us so that we could bear the fruit of the kingdom of God. And as we're bearing the fruit of the kingdom of God, whatever we ask in the, fa- in the Father's name, he'll give it to us. One of the things that I think that happens through prayer is the changing of our own personal motives and desires. The more we pray, the more we read scripture, the more time we spend with God, the more understanding we get of the whole story of scripture, the more we start to unpack God's heart and desire for the world that we live in, the more our heart starts to change and and the desires and motives of our heart change and and then what we want and what we're asking God for changes. And that's one of the things that I think God wants to happen by abiding, remaining, dwelling relationally with him in in prayer. As we pray that, that God may actually shape and mold and transform our hearts, that we might start to receive more from God the renewed heart, the softened heart that was promised when, when God would send uh, the, the Messiah and the Holy Spirit and, and write the law on our hearts. It's a changing of our hearts at the very base level so that even the desires that we have deep in our hearts start to change. Where, where we're not praying any longer for God to give us the millions and millions of dollars or this job or this parking space, but we're praying for, for things that are important in God's kingdom and God's economy. There's another if that, that Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So here Jesus says, if you do this, then it will be done. So if you agree on anything by being in the presence of two or more people in Jesus' name, two or three gathered in Jesus' name like we're gathered here tonight, if we agree, then it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And there's something I think is important that, yes, it's important for us to develop the personal habit of prayer. We want to pray individually, but it's also important for us to develop a corporate habit of prayer, that we pray with others, that we're not just praying by ourselves, but but we're taking opportunities to pray with other people as the opportunity arises or making the opportunity when we don't have it. There are three more things I just want to, to cover about Jesus' teaching on prayer, and there, there are three themes. The first one is faith. Jesus really applauded faith. If you read through the Gospels and you look at the, look at the things that Jesus reacted really positively to, it was faith. When people showed great faith in him being the Messiah, right? When the centurion comes and says, I need you to heal my daughter. But then he says, I don't need you to come to my house. You just need to speak the word and my daughter will be healed. So then Jesus responds by saying, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Go, your daughter has been healed. He responds to faith. Mark chapter 11. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. 
And every time I, I hear that prayer, I think, that's insane. Has there ever been a documented case where somebody moved a mountain with their faith? What do you think? Yes. 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 What, would you, what would you point to? <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah. Jim, what are you thinking? Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't it be funny if there was a story that came out, somebody was just praying and praying for God to move that mountain, move that mountain, move that mountain, and then <laughs> 1980, it all happened. You know, it's, it's a lot of this, it's, it can be hard to verify, but just because we haven't seen something happen does not mean it cannot happen. And that's the hard thing we have in our culture because... We're, we're really big into science and proving things and having tangible evidence for the things that we're saying are happening. But, but faith is kind of the opposite of that. It's, it's, it's looking and believing that what God says is true. What God says will happen will happen. How God says things work is how things work. And if we trust and really believe, then there, there is an entire spiritual reality that is outside of the physical reality that also is real, and there are things that happen there too. Jesus said you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. Don't hear me talking, you know, saying you know, that uh, you can name it and claim it, health and prosperity and all of that stuff. That's not at all what I'm saying. I just, I just think there's something about faith and prayer that are important. The other, another big focus of Jesus, we'll get to this a little bit more in a second, is temptation. Prayer seems to be you know, one of the secret weapons of the kingdom to deal with temptation. When he's about to go into the place where he's going to be tempted the most, he also, we said a few weeks ago, tells his disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And then he goes off and prays as he's dealing with the greatest temptation he would face, which would be, instead of going to the cross, to do things his own way. But he prayed three times, and three times he prayed, Father, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. And in the end of the, at the end of his prayer, he followed the Father's will. So prayer seems to be something about prayer that helps us dealing with temptation. And here's one that I think is incredibly important for today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45. Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. 
Jesus didn't just want us to pray for the people we like, to just pray for the people in our church, to just pray for the people that we, that we know and love. He also wants us to pray for our enemies. He wants us to pray for the people that we are opposed to or that are opposed to us, the people, the people who stand in opposition to, to the church or to Christianity. Our response to them is supposed to be prayer, praying for them. He says it's easy for anyone to, to like the people that you like and to, to do good things to the people who do good things to them. But, but it's, it's the Son of God or someone in the kingdom that does good things for enemies. So pray for your enemies. I think a lot happens when we pray for our enemies and I don't think it's so much that we're really praying for enemies to be changed, but I think what actually happens is probably God changes our heart as we're praying for people that we think are our enemies. I've got a, a, a video I want, to, want you to watch really quick, a short video. It's the NFL playoffs. It's a little football video. So I think it's about 30 seconds long. I played this a few years ago, but uh, let's watch it real quick. Does anyone uh, remember that, familiar with that story? Jim Marshall? (laughs) I passed out a few copies. I don't have that many. If there's an extra, maybe uh, we can pass one over to Clem. So this was something that I shared several years ago, and I'm going to try to go over it quickly. You've got the handout there, so you can look at it for yourself as well. One of the things that I think happens in prayer is we, we get the wrong goal. And just like Jim Marshall is, is, was running to the wrong goal, he was running to the wrong end zone, sometimes we, we get the wrong goal. And so I came up with this acronym going through the Lord's Prayer, structuring the Lord's Prayer, breaking it up how Jesus uh, was teaching it. And, and I would say, well, before I get the ball, I need the right goals, before I get the ball, I need the right, goal, right, the right goals. So this is the prayer that Jesus prayed when, he, when the disciples said, teach us to pray. This is how he taught them to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So most of the prayer, the first half of the prayer, has nothing to do with the things that we're asking. 
And I think that might be one of the things that a, a lot of us start off in the wrong spot. And, and I don't want you to get all super critical of your prayers or other, other people's prayers. I'm just looking at Jesus' prayer and seeing where Jesus started and what was the beginning, the important start for Jesus' prayer. And it looks like uh, what it had to do with was, was, was worship, was gratitude, giving, giving thanks to God, putting God in his right place, which always puts us in our right place. But the first, the first word, goals, is the first half of, of Jesus' prayer. It's God, outlook, adore, loyalty, and same manner, and I'll explain those really briefly. God, our Father, our Father in heaven, we start by understanding our position. We're praying to our Father. We, we are humble. We are, we are under God. We are not equal with God. So God is our Father, and we want to understand our position. We are God's children. We are sons and daughters of, 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 of the creator of all things. So we we are under him. We understand our position. Also, it helps us understand that our, our family, God is our father, our father in heaven. So we are praying to not some, some abstract deity that, that we have no connection to. We're praying to our father in heaven. The O is for outlook. Our father in heaven. I think one of the things that, that prayer does is that, that we try to see things from God's perspective. We're trying to get God's outlook on our situation. God has a different look on things from heaven. And as we look from our perspective, things look chaotic and confusing. But from where God sits, it all makes sense. So we want his heavenly perspective. And we'll get more to that uh, in just a second. The A is for adore him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. That's a, that's a phrase of worship. Holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. And worship has to do with submission. We're submitting ourselves to God. And literally the, the, the idea of worship is to lay down before and humble yourself. The L is for loyalty. Your kingdom come... Not my kingdom, not the kingdom of this earth, but your kingdom come, God's kingdom. Is it God's kingdom or my kingdom? God's kingdom or the kingdoms of this earth? God's kingdom or the the kingdom of my preferred allegiance, whatever that might be. Loyalty to God's kingdom. God's kingdom come, your will be done. So we want, we want to be loyal to be loyal subjects that fulfill the will of God's kingdom and, and are faithful to his, to his cause, not our own. And the S is for the same manner. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking God, do your will in my life. Do your will in our church. Do your will in our community the same same way your will is done in heaven. It's just done. In heaven, there is no fight. There is no war. There is no battle for whether we're going to do things God's way or our own way. Things are just done God's way. And we want the same thing to happen on earth, that God's will would just be done in the same manner that it's done 
in heaven. That's our starting position. We start, we start by getting ourselves in the right position. And then, then we start praying for the things that we need. So the B in Paul stands for bread. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus had a big theme that he wanted us to ask him for what we needed today and trust that he would provide for tomorrow when tomorrow came. This is one of those things. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Worry about today, the day that you're in. Trust that God is going to provide what we need for this day. Give us today our daily bread. So the things that we need in our lives, when we have needs, this, this would be when we pray, this would be the part of the prayer where we're bringing those to God. God, we need this. We need you to provide for us in this way physically or in this way spiritually today. The A is for absolve, which is just another way of saying forgive. But he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Some translations will say, forgive us our debts, the, the same as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. We're asking God to forgive us our sins, but it's also the time where we check our forgiveness of others. What are we, are we forgiving other people? And it seems, according to what Jesus says, that our forgiveness is contingent on whether or not we forgive others. And that's what he goes on to say after that in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to go look at, it, look at it for yourself, it's how we forgive others that gives the Father the clue about how, we're, how we will be forgiven by God. So forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. The first L is for lead, lead us. And lead us, there may, remember in, in the original languages, there is no punctuation. So they, the, the translators chose to put, lead us not into temptation, comma, but deliver us from evil. It could just as likely be that there would be a comma after lead us. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we're asking God to lead us. Like, like a father that carries his child to, to walk, like a, like a father grabbing the hand of a child, walking the child in the direction the child needs to go. When you're somewhere crowded, somewhere, somewhere dangerous and risky, and you're holding the hand of someone young, the child has no idea where to go. But the father knows, the parent knows, and so you hold tightly to the hand of someone who knows where they're going when you don't know where to go. So we're asking God to lead us. It reminds me when I, when I was young, I think I was probably somewhere in the six to eight year old range. Uh, we went shopping to a store in town. It was called Big Wheel. Just, I don't know if it was a local thing or if there were more stores, but they had clothes and, and things like that. And, and, uh, I decided that you know they had the round things with clothes that where you could where you could go in the middle of them. So I I jumped inside one of those, and when I came out, my dad and brother were gone, 
And I had no idea where they went, and so I'm looking all over the store, and I think, I think what finally happened was a manager or someone that worked in the store found me, and they made an announcement over the PA system that, you know, that David was up somewhere, and you should come find him. And then I remember my dad came and found me, and I was, fine, you know, I, I think I was probably crying. I was really upset because I was lost. Um, I, needed, I, I needed someone to lead me and to be to stick with me and and that's what happened as as the father came and found me so the l is for lead we want god to lead us we want to follow his lead in our lives and the last l is for liberate set us free deliver us liberate us from the evil one deliver us from satan liberate us liberate us from from the evil one like you delivered the israelites from pharaoh that word deliver us is supposed to conjure up the idea of the deliverance of the Egyptians. And it's supposed to bring in the whole picture of the Israelites being brought out of slavery in Egypt and God leading them through the, through the water and then, the, and then Pharaoh's armor, army being completely destroyed in those water. That idea deliver us is supposed to bring that whole image and we're asking God to do the same thing for us from the evil one, deliver us from the slavery and the bondage of the evil one, set us free from the things that had enslaved us and that we were trapped in, and bring us through the waters of salvation and, and, and clean and rebirth on the other side. Bring us into your new life, liberate us from the evil one. We want God to lead us and to set us free, liberate us from the evil one. So, Goals, ball. Before I get the ball, I need the right goals. We start in the right place, and then we bring our request before God. That is my uh, my summary of all the different points. And you could actually break it down further if you wanted to. There's more stuff that's in there, but hopefully that helps with prayer. Any thoughts or questions before we wrap up? Yeah. I see you're thinking about prayer. And I think the most important, one of the most important things is we ask our Heavenly Father for what we need. But we also need to listen to His answer. Because sometimes it's just, you may not never get it. But we really need to listen to what His answer is. Yeah, that's a, a huge component of prayer. And we're gonna, we'll get into that more when we get to silence and solitude. Um, because Jesus often went off by himself to pray, and that would be when he would listen to the Father. That would be so. That's very important to listen to, not always be talking, but sometimes stop and listen to what God wants to say. That's good. Any other thoughts? So persistence, audacity, and humility. When it comes to the habit of prayer, I think what matters, maybe even more, probably definitely more than the form, getting the form right is persistence. Persistently praying, spending time with God in prayer, and I think We'll learn more about prayer the more, more that we do it. We don't have to learn it all in advance. We just need to start persistently praying 
humbly praying and audaciously praying. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have created this thing called prayer, this literal connection between this physical world that we live in and the spiritual realm where you reside, that there is a a tangible connection between here and there. That you're not just sitting removed and watching from the outside. But that because of the work of Jesus, because Jesus died on the cross and dealt with our sin problem and, and, and dealt with the war we were having with you and, and bringing us now to peace with you, because he rose from the dead, because he conquered death, the, the consequence of, of our rebellion, because he ascended and sits at your right hand where he intercedes for us. He's always constantly interceding on our behalf. And because he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in the church and in the believer, that we now know that we have this connection between here and there, that, that you are not so far away that we cannot reach you through prayer, but you are intimately involved and, and care passionately and deeply about all of our lives And you want us to involve you in more aspects and more details. So I pray, Father, as we go throughout this week, that you'd help us, if nothing else, then to just become more persistent in prayer. For these requests that we prayed about at the beginning of the service, that we'd become persistent in praying about them for the loved ones in our lives, our friends and our family, the things that they need. Help us to to pray and never give up, to pray and, and never quit, just like the woman uh, who who wouldn't give up asking for right for justice from the judge? Help us to to go in that same vein, and help us to to let to have prayer be something that is a driving force in our church family. That we would wouldn't be known by by our worship services, by by the sermons that are preached, by our teaching, but that we'd be known by by being a family and be known by being a church of prayer. That that the people at six eight pray. And, and God, God acts because of the prayers. And we help, ask that you help us become that kind of a church. We thank you and praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.